And um, that being said, no prayer here this Tuesday. Right. No prayer here this Tuesday, but you've got something you can watch. Praise the Lord. So um, as far as announcements, I think that's all I have. Praise the Lord. That's where he is. I said all that to say he's not here today. <laughs> but we'll, be all, we'll all be back next week. I do have one more. Fearless. We are reading through Fearless. Is everyone enjoying it like I am? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, um, <laughs> you know, when, when he writes a book, I read through it several times. He reads through it. Then I read through it. Then we go back and forth and Bhatia reads it and edits and, and different ones. But, um, but sometimes after you've set it down for a year or so and you pick it back up, you're like, wow, this yes. is really good. But if you recall, uh, Reverend Joel started writing this book right before everything shut down in 2020 for COVID. Yes. He started writing it like the end of January, beginning of February of 2020. And, you know, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. He told me what he was doing. And, and then everything shut down and everyone was in, in fear. And we looked at each other and we were like, oh, finish it quick. <laughs> so uh, it's been a blessing to the body of Christ, but uh, it can continue to be a blessing. It's a 30-day devotional. If you haven't started, we started January 1st. Those of us who knew about it, if you haven't started, just pick up. Today's the ninth. Pick it up. Start with the ninth. Go back and read two, or read two days at a time until you catch up. But it is just a wonderful um, help to us to help us remember and indicate places where fear might have crept in that we didn't even realize had, had happened. And um, God is serious about us being free. He's serious about it. Jesus paid an amazing price for us to walk in freedom. Amen. And he wants us to be free in every arena of our life. Right. So fearless. Don't, just a reminder to read that. That's for your dear wife. Oh. <laughs> I didn't have it with me the other day when I went to see her. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, and I have three copies left, and that's all I have in this world right now. So, okay. Uh, no, no, that's it. Yeah, I just gave one away. <laughs> I took them. I went to get one the other day from our warehouse, which is my garage. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no more Fearless. There's no box of Fearless. So uh, we have ordered some. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But it's a good book. We have an assignment this morning, and we're going to get to that as far as ministering this morning. So are you with me? I know it's just me, but uh, here we are. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes I get tired of hearing myself talk, but <laughs> I'm it. So here we are. Turn with me this morning to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Last week, we ministered on, on uh, hearing how we hear, what we hear, and uh, so important. So I encourage you if, you, if you weren't here, go back and listen to that message. It will help us for the whole year. We want to pay attention, like I, I was just saying during the announcements, with spiritual ears. We want to learn to hear between the lines. We want to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to us 
even when uh, it might not have been verbally said by the minister. In other words, the answer to your problem can be answered even if we're not on the topic of which your problem <laughs> exists. And so uh, we want to develop a, a, an ear that hears so that, so that we can so that we can know how to navigate in our lives. And I don't know, maybe it's just been a hobby of mine, but through the years, I've always enjoyed listening to uh, the progression of a minister as they're ministering. Yeah. Uh, in other words, the different topics that come up throughout the year. For, for a pastor, if you go back and just look at the titles and how things ebb and flow and what the topics were, um, it's very interesting to me because in my mind, it's maybe just the way my mind works, uh, the things of God aren't just cut and dry. This is faith, you know, this is tithing, this is, you know, this is prosperity. You know, they all flow together. And, uh, you know, even the Bible tells us faith works by love. You know, there, there are so many different aspects to our Christian walk. And even though we might be hitting different topics, you know, there's times where my husband's come in and ministered on something totally different than what I was on the week before. And yet there's a flow to it. There's, there's something that seems together. And what I love is, you know, there'll be different times where I'll minister something and someone will come up and said, I just heard so-and-so minister on that. Or I just heard, you know, and you'll see different ones, especially more, uh, more of the prominent ministers in the body of Christ. Amen. It seems like we'll all kind of hit the same subject at the same time and hit it from different angles. Yes. Well, that's of God. Amen. And, and if we learn to hear and pay attention to those things, yes. we'll see the emphasis or the thrust that the Spirit of God is trying to get across to the body. So um, this morning, uh, this may seem like a totally different turn, but it's not. Amen. Praise God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 13. It says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, meaning those who've died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Wow. Uh, and he goes on in Thessalonians to talk more about this subject that he calls the coming of the Lord. 
it has been said by theologians and, and different ones who minister on the timeline of events for the body of Christ that all of history, Earth's history, hangs on two golden hooks. The first hook is the first coming of the Messiah. We just celebrated Christmas when the Messiah came to earth, was born as a human baby. That is the first hook for all of eternity. Everybody that was born before Christ was born was looking towards the Messiah coming. When he came, as soon as he died, and even before he died, Jesus was alluding to the time that he would come again. The second golden hook for all the timeline of the earth is the return of the Lord. Do you understand? Jesus is coming again. This is so exciting because it's why we are here on earth. We're here on earth to try and get everyone we know to hear the fact and then receive the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died for their sins, that he paid the price so that they could be born again and receive eternity on the inside of them. The reason we do that is so that they'll move to heaven when they expire on this earth because the Bible also tells us that there is a place called hell. And although most churches today don't like to talk about that place, it's extremely real. It's hot, it's terrible, and nobody on this earth was designed to go there. And we have such an important task here on this earth. If we didn't have the task of teaching and telling others about Christ and helping them receive what we've already received, there would really be no point to us being here on earth. Meaning, the moment you got born again, why didn't you just move to heaven? It's much nicer there. I mean, much nicer, right? Uh, the Bible tells us that, that this earth is under curse. Wow. And as beautiful as Colorado is, it's still under the curse. Mm -hmm. So the whole reason we stay here on this earth is to help others come to the knowledge of Christ. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the Bible gives us some timelines. Mm -hmm. It tells us some things that are soon to come, mm -hmm. the Bible tells us. The return of the Lord. We're going to read this passage one more time. Now that we know what it's talking about, I just kind of threw you in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
verse 13 again. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers. Paul was, he, he was serious about this. I don't need you to be ignorant about this subject. There's something you need to know. Don't be uninformed about those who are asleep, those who have already died. That you may not grieve as others who, do, uh, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. What does he mean, bring with him? Guys, you understand that when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a show. It's going to be a show. Hallelujah. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, those who have already died, they're going to rise first. What does that mean? The dead in Christ, anyone who's received Christ, who's believed on Christ from the time that Jesus uh, rose again from the dead himself until now, all of them are going to rise out of their graves, out of wherever they died. You might think, well, some of them aren't even here. The molecules of their existence are still there. And don't ask me how. I didn't write this, but God knows, and God's capable right. of bringing their form back together again. Mm -hmm. And it says there's going to be a sound from heaven. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be a trumpet blast. Jesus is going to come down. And at the same time Jesus is going to come down, the dead in Christ are going to rise up. That's going to be a day. That's going to be a day. Yeah. No zombies. No glorified bodies. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. No white makeup and blood. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No zombies. Glorified bodies. Yes. Hallelujah. The dead in Christ, they're going to rise first. And then verse 17 says, then we who are alive, <coughs> meaning there will be those of us here on earth when Jesus returns, who are still preaching the word, living in this earth, telling people about Jesus. And in that time when we're, we could still be here mm -hmm. alive, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together yes. with them, who's them? All those that just rose out of the earth, out of the graveyard, yeah. were caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord wow. in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. You understand this is a real event that is, according to the scriptures, soon to come. Now, theologians tell us, and I say that because I certainly haven't studied this out, um, that there are about 600 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning 
the coming of Jesus as a baby, the Messiah. But there are about twice as many prophecies, about 1,200 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the second coming of Jesus. You cannot read a New Testament book without seeing a reference to the coming of the Lord. This was a huge topic to the New Testament church. Now, there's been much confusion on this subject. There's been a lot of people that have only ministered on this subject and they've actually gotten off. In different, in different areas. Why? Because so much about the, what we would call and the Bible calls the end times, there, there's a lot in, say, the book of Revelation that is all symbolic. <laughs> uh, meaning, there's some translation, there's some interpretation that has to take place in order to totally understand it. And different people have interpreted things different ways. But what I want to focus on and what, what is important is what they focused it on in the New Testament. And that is this. He's coming again. The Bible, the New Testament especially, refers to the coming of the Lord with many different terms. And that's why you might not have realized the emphasis so strongly. But I encourage you, I'm actually going to do this in the next couple of months. I'm going to read through the New Testament and I'm going to sp- spend particular attention and sp- particular time on all the references to the coming of the Lord. I'm going to read to you a couple of phrases that, um, that you might find when you're reading through the New Testament. The coming of the Lord the day of the Lord, the end times, the last days, the end of the age, the return of Christ, the second coming, his appearing, the glorious appearing, the day of Jesus Christ, the day of his return. And there's more. Those are just a few. But all of those are referring to what we would call the coming of the Messiah, the return of the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm not going to teach us on the end times in the next several weeks. But um, I will encourage you. I've got you reading all kinds of things. But um, my husband has written a book called The Coming of the Lord. Yeah. Excellent book on helping us understand our part Mm -hmm. in hastening the return of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's just say this. The book of Revelation, most of that book is not for us. Meaning, it's written to uh, people that are going to be on earth after Jesus has already returned and taken, and and after this, what we just read, has occurred. Meaning the dead in Christ have come up, we who are alive and remain, we've risen to meet him in the air. And that means, can you imagine this? 
the entire earth is now void of any light from God. That means all the people, and I'm thinking of some that I know in my family, that have heard the message, heard that they need to be born again, and have declined. They've said, no thanks, that's not for me. When this event happens, and the church, we would call it, uh, you've heard this term probably, the rapture. When the church exits earth, all in one motion, all in one movement, all in one day. All those people who had heard the gospel, but never received the gospel, they're going to be scrambling. Because it's going to become very real to them. It's really kind of mind-boggling. I know they've made movies about this and stuff like that, but think about it. When, I don't know, a whole fifth of the population just disappears. And I don't know how this looks. I don't know if people will see you go or if we just go and, and we're gone. I don't know how it works. I know it's going to work well. But I mean, think about it. The graves, they might be all messed up. <laughs> when you got bones coming out of there and, and, and things coming out. I mean, and all the people that are left. And they start putting two and two together. Wait a minute. That person was a Christian. They're not here. Mom was a Christian. She's not here. Aunt so-and-so, she was a Christian. She was an obnoxious Christian who kept telling me to receive Jesus. And they have to start scrambling. The book of Revelation, it's for them. It's about their day. And it's not a fun day. It's something called the tribulation, or we would say the great tribulation. The Bible tells us it only lasts about seven and a half years because that's all the people and the earth can take. It's that severe. But why do we preach on that? Verse 18, it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. This isn't a bummer. <laughs> Funny story. My sister teaches, well, she was teaching a preschool, and there was this little, you know, all the kids are always crying haphazardly, you know, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. And, uh, you know, ah, he hit me. And, you know, this, he took my toy. And my daughter would always answer, bummer. <laughs> you know, trying to diffuse the situation, like, deal with it, move on, we've got to get over it. And so she said that to one little kid who had, has a lot of tantrums, and he was freaking out, and he said whatever the problem was, and she said her usual response, bummer. And he looked at her and said, it is not a bummer. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's for free. Praise the Lord. Oh, it cracked me up. It is not a bummer. 
We are not preaching these things for you to leave. This is not, you know, the most people think of the end times as the end of the world is coming. Be very afraid. That's not what the scripture tells us. He tells us that we are to encourage, to encourage one another with these words, that Jesus is coming again. For the church, this is a good thing. This is a glorious time. This is amazing. Now, if you would, turn with me to Habakkuk. I know, Habakkuk, chapter 2. It's a little tiny book, almost to the end of the Old Testament. You can find it. I have great confidence in you. So all of time hangs on these two two golden hooks, the the coming of the Messiah and then the return of the Lord. Everybody in the Old Testament was focused on the coming of the Messiah. Every one of us in the New Testament, and I say we're in the New Testament because we're part of the New Testament church. The book of Acts wasn't supposed to stop with chapter 16 or whatever it is that it ends with. We're in the book of Acts today. Yeah. We're still conducting kingdom business mm-hmm. for the New Testament. Our focus as the New Testament is the return of the Lord. We're to encourage one another with these words. We're to actually uh, pull up for me Hebrews 10. Sorry, you can stay in Habakkuk because I know it was hard to find. <laughs> Hebrews 10, oh, I don't, yeah, yeah, 10, 25. We look at this verse uh, about meeting together, not neglecting to meet together, talking to the church, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day. There's another one, the day. What is he talking about? The coming of the Lord. As you see the day drawing near. You understand that the day is near? That's right. Any man of God who's had a major visitation from the Lord Jesus, Mm -hmm. and there have been men and women who have had a vision of the Lord come to them. Brother Hagen, uh, Dr. Dufresne, different ones who are prominent in the body of Christ. You can't listen to somebody who's met up with the Lord Jesus in a vision form where the Lord Jesus doesn't remind them, tell my people I'm coming soon. It's all that Jesus is focused on. As the New Testament church, it is to be our primary focus. Uh, Miss Lynette Hagen, she was my, uh, my pastor when I went to Rhema Bible Church. She said this, coming up in the 50s, her, her pastor preached about the coming of the Lord so much. And she, they talked about the rapture so much that she said, I was afraid as a teenager to do anything wrong. Because I was concerned that Jesus might show up right when I was doing something wrong and I'd miss the rapture. 
before I had time to repent. She said, it kept me straight. The knowledge, the remembrance that Jesus is coming again. And the Bible says he's to come for a glorious church. It's a glorious church, a church that's full of his glory, full of him, full of his things, who has their affections set on things above and not on the things of this earth. They are totally disregarding the things of earth and focused solely on him, his plan, his ways, his people, his needs, the people that need to know him. It's our focus. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. So we're to encourage one another. This is encouraging. We're to put ourselves in remembrance of these things. Jesus is coming, and he's not just coming eventually. The Bible says he's coming soon. Anytime Jesus is met up with somebody in vision form, he'll tell them, Remind my people, I'm coming soon. What does soon mean? We just know it's soon. One of the scriptures says that the day of his coming is at hand. Mm -hmm. My husband's told us this before. What's at hand? Everybody put your hand in front of your face. What? What's at hand? It's right there. Right? It's not light years away, your hand is right in front of you. The coming of the Lord is at hand. This was such a focus in the New Testament church that we see in the book of Acts, everybody sold all their property. And they all lived in what we would call a commune. They all got together and all lived in one spot. Why? Because Jesus was coming back. So what do we need our stuff for? I mean, that's how seriously they took this. They just sold everything. Now, disclaimer, Paul came along later and said, okay, this is taking a little bit longer than we thought, so we better establish some churches. We better get some, you know, we better start training our people how to grow up others and and not stay babies. We better not just sell everything we have, but we better learn how to tithe and give. You know, he brought some balance to the body of Christ. And no, I'm not telling us we're all going to move to a commune because we're not. I love y'all, but we're not. Right? But that's the mentality they had. He's coming again. What do I need my stuff for? Let's just sell it. Yeah. Let's just be ready to go. We are to have always in our mind or in our spirits, we could say, this idea that he's coming and it's really soon. And I want as many people to know Jesus before he comes as I can personally be responsible for. So important. If the body of Christ does not have that mindset, there's no way we can be full of glory. And if we're not full of glory, he can't come back because he's coming back for a glorious church. To think that Jesus is just going to come without any effort on our part or any preparation on the part of the body of Christ, that's inaccurate. It's not just some magic date 
on his little, you know those little calendars where you've got every day, so you just rip off the days, and God's up there ripping off the days, and then, oh, January 12th, Jesus, guess what? It's today. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it worked with his first coming. That's right. What had to happen with his first coming? He needed a couple that lined up with what the prophecy said as far as the lineage and all that stuff. But he also needed a gal who'd say, be it unto me according to your word. How many people did he talk to before Mary? There were 400 years of silence from the last book, Malachi, of the Old Testament until we see Jesus born. How many other people did he talk to mm-hmm. about being the instruments for which the Messiah could come. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he did. It might have just been Mary and Joseph and that was it. But we do see a lot of silence. And we also see a God who in patterns with Israel and different ones would not have it if people weren't in faith. He just skipped that generation and wait for the next one. It always requires effort on our part to cooperate with what's next in God's timeline. And I'm telling you, what's next, according to God, is the coming of the Lord. And we're to encourage one another. We're to spur one another on. We're to remind one another. We're to be ever mindful of the fact that he's returning. The Bible calls us, the church, the bride of Christ. He's the groom. Have you ever met a groom or a bride who's not interested in the wedding day? From the minute the ring goes on the finger for engagement, that bride is consumed. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's wedding in the morning, wedding in the afternoon, wedding when the sun goes down. Oh, we'll do this at the wedding. We'll have this at the wedding. I want that at the wedding. I want to do this about the wedding. It's all about the wedding. So why, as the bride of Christ, are we just sitting back And looking at our fingernails, saying, I don't know, he'll get here when he gets here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Are you kidding? Every time Jesus has appeared to somebody, he said, Remind my people. I shouldn't say every time. Many times, (laughs) when Jesus appears to someone, he says, Remind my people. Tell my people, I'm coming soon. One prominent minister, answered back to that when he was talking with the Lord and he said, Lord Jesus, your people know that. And Jesus turned around and looked at him with fire shooting out of his eyes. And he said, no, they don't. Not like they're supposed to. Jesus is coming again. Are you in Habakkuk too? Yes. 
Oh, this is exciting, you guys. <laughs> it's so exciting for the church. It's sobering for those of us that know people, and we all know people who don't yet know Christ. It is very sobering, but let's light a fire underneath of us, and as we're led and as we're prompted, let's get people born again so they'll be able to go out on the first load. Praise God. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming again. Yes. For, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk says, I'll take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk was talking to the Lord about different things that were going on. And he says, I'm going to stand here in my place of prayer and wait until I get the answer from God. Verse 2 says this, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, see, so, excuse me, so he who may run, who reads it, for still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie or deceive. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now, we've read this verse before. I've heard others minister and on this verse and talk about, you know, uh, maybe the vision of their church, the vision of, of their, uh, their business, this or thing. Write the vision. Make it plain. And there's nothing wrong with, with that interpretation of that scripture. But, uh, Brother Sam, can you pull this up in the New Living translation for me. We'll start with verse 2. But I want you to see what it says here. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Do you see that? He's talking about the end, the coming of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It will surely come. It will not delay. Or it will not be delayed. I like how I said that. But it says it describes the end. This vision, the vision that he's writing down to make it plain, write it down, make it plain, so that anybody that runs forth to give the message will get it right. The message is Jesus is returning. That's right. He's coming soon. And even though it may seem slow in coming, wait for it. Mm -hmm. For it will surely take place. It will surely take place. Praise the Lord. That next verse in the New Living, it says, praise the Lord. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Uh, back in the ESV or the King James, it talks about the just shall live by 
faith, which we see quoted over and over in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. The just shall live by faith. So right sandwiched in that tremendous verse that people took from the New Testament is talking about writing down this vision, making it plain. And honestly, although you can use that scripture to talk about whatever vision God's given you for the plan of your life or your business or your church, he's really talking about the coming of the Lord. The time of the end, the end times. Make it plain. Write it down. Don't. Why do you write things down? I write it down so I won't forget it. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, to quote a movie I love, you know, someone can walk in and say, where was that piece of paper I had in my hand yesterday? Why? Because I wrote something down and I don't want to forget it, right? I have pieces of paper all over the place. <laughs> And my husband is always trying to have me condense them down into my phone. (laughs) Where they're all in one place. But then I'll go somewhere and forget my phone. So I need the piece of paper. We write things down. We make them plain so that we won't forget. That's right. Jesus is coming soon. There is so much to this subject. But let me just take one minute to help you, and if you read through the book, The Coming of the Lord, or have read it, you'll understand this analogy that the Lord helped my husband with when he was studying out these end time events. Because there's a lot that goes on. It's not just that one day when Jesus returns. And so when you're reading through the New Testament, when you're studying these things out, you need to know which part of the end times that scripture is talking about. Is it talking about that day when Jesus comes down? Well, 1 Thessalonians 4 sure is. But there's other scriptures that are talking about different times. And my husband one time was watching what they call, I guess it's called the Tour de France, Mm -hmm. the bike race, right? Mm -hmm. That bike race, how long does it last? Like two weeks? It's a couple weeks. It's all, in all different parts of France. And we have bike races like that here in Colorado. What? It's all one race, but it takes place on different days and in different places. Yeah. And so you can sit down to watch the Tour de France, but you're only watching one segment of it. You're not seeing the whole thing. Right? Right? And it's the same with the return of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. It's not just one day. There's many segments or sections or events in that broad term, the coming of the Lord, right? The one we refer to a lot is what we read read in 1 Thessalonians 4, Mm -hmm. when he comes with a shout, glory to God, with a trumpet sound, with the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain, we arise with them and meet him in the air. And we all look around and say, whoa, you made it. Congratulations. Good job. Didn't think you would. Wow. Wow. And then we might look for others who we thought for sure were going to come, and they're not there. So we will probably minister some more on these things as we come 
as we go in the next couple of weeks, but stirring so strongly in me to remind us of these things, to, uh, if we could say it this way, write it down, to make the vision plain, that this is to be our focus. This is to be the reason we get up in the morning. This is to be the reason why we go out into the world and meet other people. It's because Jesus is coming. And it's going to be soon. And we want everybody we know to go with us. That's right. That's right. When he comes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet? Oh, glory to God. I am so excited that Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Print the t-shirts. You know, my husband says this. When he got saved, there was such a revival going on. I mean, people had, will you go up in the rapture, bumper stickers. I mean, they they literally had T-shirts. They were talking to everybody they knew about the return of the Lord. It was on the forefront of their mind. Why? Because there was revival going on. That's what revival is. When you have the right focus and everything else pales in comparison to the fact that there's a job to be done. Jesus is coming again. He He told everyone you might want to read after, tell my people I'm coming again soon. The last thing we read in Revelation The last thing we read, if you read the last chapter of Revelation, three times he says, I am coming soon. And it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit, the Holy Spirit and the bride, that's us. We are to be saying forever, waking up in the morning and saying, Come, Lord Jesus. I can't wait for the wedding day. I can't wait for that day. Come. We are the bride. He is the groom. And he is ever looking forward to the day where he can come to meet us in the air. Amen? Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.